is Friday, February 18th, 2022. I'm Ben Bowden, and you are listening to Simple Rhythms. Simple Rhythms is a daily podcast aimed to give you a simple and steady diet of God's Word and to help us all prepare for this upcoming Sunday's sermon. Now, on Fridays, we often take questions that you, the listener, ask, and this one comes from a mom of a kindergartner. And um, she caught me on on Wednesday night, and I said, "You know, send that through a text. That'll be a good one for the uh, for the podcast." And so here we are. Uh, this is question from a kindergartner, and here's the question: If only God knows when Jesus will return, and Jesus is God, then why does Jesus not know when He will return? Now, that's a good question. That's a, that's a really good question. And, uh, it, you know, we may laugh it off as a question from a kindergartner, but isn't it true that oftentimes our children will keep us on our toes better than our peers will when it comes to profound theological questions? Well, this has to do with the Trinity. And as Augustine said, deny the Trinity, you lose your soul, but try to explain the Trinity, you lose your mind. And certainly whenever we tap into any kind of discussion on the Trinity, we are tapping into a a place where we're going to have to embrace a mystery. In other words, we are finite. God is infinite. And so it would make sense that when it comes to tapping into some about who God is, there's going to be uh, there's going to, there's going to be certain things that we can affirm and things that we deny, but then there's a recognition that there's going to be a mystery. And certainly when we uh, talk about the Trinity, there is a mystery. But this one is um, one that has been around for a long time. This 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 issue, uh, and it's been settled in church history uh, back in 451 at the Council of uh, Chalcedon. So this has to do with the theological term hypostatic union. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain this like, you know, adults in a theology class. And then right at the end, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say how I'll explain it to my children, which I do have a kindergartner, so I'm right there with you. So in simplest terms, when we say hypostatic union, we're talking about Jesus as both God and man, like he's fully God and he's fully human. There was a guy named Eutychus who proposed this, this, um, that the divine and human nature, um, in Jesus had commingled. So this was just centuries ago. And he said, it's kind of like uh, grapple juice, like grape juice and apple juice mixing up. You, ne- you When you mix those two up, you don't have grape juice. You don't have apple juice. You have a, something all together that's different. Right? That's how he said it was. It was a mixture. Well, the Council of Chalcedon rejected the uh, the the idea that Eutychus uh, proposed, and the Council of Chalcedon proposed instead that the two natures of Jesus must be understood as being joined together, but and this was the famous line: without confusion, without change, without division, and without separation. That is, each nature was fully present without confusion, like the grapple juice uh, example, but also without separation so that the human and divine natures would be together forever in the person of Jesus Christ. 
So what we understand about the Trinity is that one God, there's one God, eternally existing as three persons. These three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, each person is fully God and is distinct, meaning the Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Holy Spirit or the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. Uh, each person is fully God. They are distinct from the other persons of the Trinity, and uh, but there's one God. So, again, there's a certain element of a mystery there. But that, that is what we affirm, and we must deny anything that goes against that. Now, this may seem like needless theological kind of just dancing, but I think what, what we're doing here is offering a careful definition that is meant to preserve what the Bible actually teaches about the person of Christ. You see, there throughout church history, there have been three wrong views that have come to the surface. One is uh, Apollinarianism, which is saying that Christ had a human body, but not a human mind or spirit. There was another one named uh, Nestorianism uh, that said there were two separate persons in Christ. There was the divine and the human um, in Christ. Uh, so two persons, not natures, but two separate persons. And then, um, uh, and then there was another one that said that Christ had only one nature, which was more than human, but less than divine. It was kind of like this, you know, grapple juice, kind of just mixing of two, but you pour more of the, of one end than the other. All right. So all of those are wrong views, but the right view is offered, I believe, by the Chalcedonian definition, um, and, and again, that goes all the way back to AD 451. But it refuted all of these. It, it, it uh, became the standard orthodox statement on the biblical teaching on who Christ is. And it really affirmed uh, three truths about the eternal Son of God. Number one, that he took to himself a truly human nature. Number two, his divine and human natures remain distinct and retain their own properties. And then number three, um, they are eternally and inseparably united together in one person. All right, so here's what I would explain, how I explain it to a child. So my, my own kindergartner, when he asked this question, this is what I'm going to explain. I'm going to say, hey, buddy, I understand that, uh, you know, Jesus is God. God is the one who knows all things, and yet Jesus doesn't know when he's going to, come back. So how do you explain this? I'd say, well, um, th this definition means, or, you know, I wouldn't say this definition, but I'd say the, the understanding of who Jesus is means that one nature, there are two natures in there, one nature does some things that the other nature does not. So you've got in Jesus two natures, right? So Jesus' human nature died, but Jesus' divine nature did not die because God cannot die. So Jesus' human nature did not know what, um, uh, what day, when he was coming back, when he's coming back, and, but Jesus' divine nature did. And so in Matthew um, chapter 24, verse 36, where it says, But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. He was saying that in terms of his human nature, and um, his, his human nature did not know, um, 
and Philippians 2 has, has a great understanding of how those two natures work and, and how one is like the divine nature was veiled um, by his human nature. And, uh, and he was, but that doesn't mean he's even less divine or less human. Now, here's the big question of why did he say that? And I, and I believe this gets to uh, scratching the itch that's really there. The, in the context of Matthew 24, Jesus' declaration in verse 36 that we just read is designed to restrain our vain curiosity, like wanting to know when Jesus is coming back. Um, and what it does is it binds us to his word. And it causes us to be stirred up to be vigilant and eager to meet our Lord face to face. In other words, to always be ready. Not to be scared, but just to be ready and eager and wanting Jesus to return so that we can see him face to face. We look for that day and we long for that day. Until that day, we are called to spread a passion for his supremacy all over the earth and, uh, and lift his name, uh, see his name lifted up in, uh, in all the earth. And so, uh, anyway, good question, good question here, and uh, looking forward to more questions in the future. But keep studying God's Word. Let's keep looking to Him. I'm Ben Bowden, and we will meet again next time on Simple Rhythms. Simple Rhythms.